Hey everybody, how you doing out there in podcast land tonight? A glorious Friday night, or depending on where you are, dark and gloomy and rainy Friday night, but who cares? We've got rock and roll, we've got each other. I'm the maestro Kevin Crane, as always, ecstatic to have you aboard for your weekly dose of rock and roll knowledge, commentary, reminiscing it is the fortress of rock episode 114 here on october the 20th 2023 let's get right into it as always segment one is news of the world our tribute to the late great freddie mercury and queen let's start off with some positive stuff some happy news because God knows there's not a lot of that in the world today. Do you believe in love? I don't know if I believe in love. But obviously, Wolfgang Van Halen and Huey Lewis, they believe in love. Happy for Wolfgang Van Halen. Marries his longtime girlfriend, Andrea Alsop, here this past week. Now, we're not People Magazine here. We're not going to discuss celebrity marriages in graphic detail. But I will point out, of course, as always, Wolfie honors the memory of his late great father, Edward Van Halen. Empty chair at the ceremony for Pops. And, of course, he plays... 316, beautiful instrumental off of For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge that Eddie put together for his son, Wolfgang. Congratulations, Wolfie. Now get back out on the road. (laughs) I've got a friend of mine who is going here in three weeks to go see the Metallica no repeat weekend concert in Detroit. And of course, night one, Friday night, will feature Mammoth WVH as one of the opening acts along with Pantera. So Wolfgang's going to get a week off for his honeymoon, and then he's got to go right back out on the road. And he is a road warrior. So Andrea, <laughs> I don't know if you're going out on the road with them or not, but this is what you're buying into. Of course, I wish nothing but the best for my man, Wolfgang Van Halen. Over the last year or so, maybe 10 months, close to a year, I have been trying to review here and there, bits and pieces, when I can, Peter Gabriel's new work off this upcoming album, I.O. Well, guess what? Finally, 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 even though 10 of the 12 songs on I.O. are already out there for you on streaming services to, to listen to, Peter Gabriel has finally announced that IO will be out December the 1st, 2023. And of course, just like he's been releasing these songs, 
there will be a bright version and a dark version. And then there will be a deluxe package called the Inside Edition. Blu-ray audio involved there. Very expensive, of course. Somewhat expensive. Not like a box set expenditure. But I will definitely get this. I have liked a lot of what I've heard in these releases all throughout 2023 what he was releasing them on every new moon. And of course, you got to like the fact there's the dark version, dark side of the moon. Get it? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But the music has been pretty good so far. So even though I'm not the biggest Peter Gabriel fan in the world, when we get to the end of the year, I will have a review for you of IO. I am just happy that our long national nightmare is over and this album is finally coming out. You too. Gee, I can't believe their uh, debut residency at the Sphere in Las Vegas. It actually went well. Shocking. Shocking beyond all belief. So guess what? They are going to extend their residency at the Sphere. Initially supposed to end in mid-December of 2023. Now they have added 11 more shows. January and February of 2024. Again, shocking. By all accounts, sounds like a spectacular night if you happen to be rich beyond belief. And of course, I have opined about this for quite a while, how sporting events and concerts are starting to to fade out of the reach, out of the grasp of the, the normal common person like you and I. I had this discussion the other day at work with someone expressing my regrets that I didn't buy tickets to go see the Eagles on their farewell tour. And I tried to explain, I said, I I just can't justify $180 for nosebleed seats. I don't know if I've, I've told you guys this. If I have, I apologize for repeating myself. The most I've ever spent for a concert ticket is $120. And we'll actually discuss one of the bands that I spent $120 on for a ticket in a few minutes. And I know a lot of you out there are going, what? You cheap jerk. Spend some cash. And I've always been of the quantity of shows. I don't want to say quantity over quality because a lot of the, the less expensive shows I've gone to see have been fantastic, dare I say magical. But then, of course... My boss walks in (laughs) a couple minutes later and says she scored tickets to go see Queen with Adam Lambert. And when she told me how much she paid for her tickets, I just, I, I don't understand it. I can't fathom it. Don't we have mortgages to pay? 
Don't we have car payments? My God. How about the greedy bands, the greedy sports franchises, dial it down a little bit and make it a little bit more affordable so that uh, the 1% aren't the only people that get to go see concerts and football games. Oh, well, let's move on to that band I just referenced. Now, I have paid $120 to see The Who, which was worth it. Great, great, phenomenal show. And I have paid $120 to see Green Day. And you guys know how I feel about Green Day. Billy Joe Armstrong is the biggest wuss bag jerk maybe next to Roger Waters in rock and roll today. I don't care if you hate Donald Trump. I don't. Shut up and play music. I will never go see Green Day again for that reason and that reason specifically is that I was subjected to his nonstop profane rants about Donald Trump instead of getting another song or two in. So now Green Day has announced they will be going out on tour in 2024 with the Smashing Pumpkins and Rancid. And I told you here recently how great, unexpectedly great, the Smashing Pumpkins were in concert It is just a shame that, by all accounts, a great, great guy like Billy Corgan is going to pair himself up with the idiot Billy Joe Armstrong. If you guys want to go see it, I would go see Smashing Pumpkins. But considering the fact they're sandwiched between Rancid and Green Day, that's on you. You make the call. I'll pass. Hard pass. I still don't understand as the career of KISS winds down, we're getting close to the the actual end of the road, the farewell tour that never ends, which is all right by me. I'd rather have a band go on a farewell tour for five years than go on a farewell tour for a year, come back three years later, come back five years later and say, oh, no, no, now it's it's our farewell tour. No, no, now it is. We swear. We swear it is. Three years later, oh, yeah, now this is our farewell tour now. This one. This one. So I would rather have Kiss doing what they're doing. Go out on a farewell tour for five freaking years. That's fine. But it is finally coming to an end. And Paul Stanley has now come out and dismissed any innuendo, rumors, hopes that we had of seeing a a reunion of the original lineup featuring Ace Fraley and Peter Chris as the farewell tour ends at the end of 2023. I believe it ends early December at Madison Square Garden. 
But again, just like Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, they want nothing to do with Ace Fraley and Peter Chris. They say it would distract from the celebration of the farewell tour. I don't get that at all. I would think Ace and Peter coming back would help accentuate the celebration, make it a more special night for the fans. But again, nobody cares about the fans. Thoughts and prayers. Now, I have to admit this. I don't know who Dwight Twilley really is. A couple of big hits, though, that I I cannot wrap my head around, cannot remember. I am on fire and girls. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to do some research on this and listen to uh, listen to these two songs. See if I can jog my old rock and roll memory here. But thoughts and prayers to the family and friends of Dwight Twilley, the Memphis Sound. And again, I apologize. I was too wrapped up in trying to listen to the new Rival Sons album. We'll discuss that later. And unfortunately, of course, in many ways, this is a sad, sad day in rock and roll. You know we will cover our bases on those moments in segment three, and I want to go back. But we're going to have to kind of break the third wall there, the fourth wall, the fifth wall, whatever you want to call it. And remember the fact that today was the birthday of the late, great Tom Petty. There are two, I don't want to say new, two original, unreleased, previously unreleased Tom Petty songs that are out there now. The Mystery of Love, which is coming off of an expanded version of Mojo. And then an Amazon exclusive, which sends chills up and down my spine, which means it's going to be very, very hard for any of us to listen to. What's the matter with Louise? So if you can, and we will try to do it here on the Fortress of Rock, we'll try to track them down and give you some reviews in the coming weeks for these two songs. But what's the matter with Louise, an Amazon exclusive I believe it's culled from a documentary that now airing on Amazon Prime video about the making of wildflowers. And then, as I mentioned, the mystery of love off the upcoming expanded edition of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers Mojo album. Why don't we wrap things up with a couple news tidbits about Motley Crue. Starting off with Tommy Lee. Now, if any other person, maybe a couple other people, a couple other celebrities, rock and roll stars that we know, maybe I would believe this story from them. 
but I definitely believe it from Tommy Lee. Recently here on Bill Maher's podcast, Tommy Lee admitted at his worst moments, he was drinking two gallons of vodka a day. Two gallons of vodka a day. Now, I've had disputes with people about drinking alcohol. I I definitely indulge, especially with beer. I love myself a tall, cold, frosty one. But the human body, body chemistry reacts differently, each and every one of us, to different types of alcohol. From what I've seen personally in my life, two close, close friends of mine have suffered extreme, extreme, terrible, awful losses. People dying way too early in their lives. One of them, a great friend of mine, friend of a friend, son of a father. from vodka and to hear that Tommy Lee was drinking two gallons of vodka a day just blows my mind so while I'm not I'm not saying abstain I am not saying you can't drink responsibly I'm just telling you personally vodka is evil and again Tommy Lee imbibing two gallons of of vodka a day. Just, I can't fathom it. So finally, October the 30th here coming up in the next couple weeks. Eddie Trunk on his great show, Trunk Nation, of course, will, he will reveal, he will premiere Finally, the long-awaited, much-talked-about new solo material from Mick Mars. Of course, we talked about the fact that the former Motley Crue guitarist unceremoniously dumped from the band in favor of John Five. You can believe the Mick Mars stories you can believe the motley crew stories on who's telling the truth and who's not but you and i know the truth usually lies somewhere in the middle it'll be interesting to hear this mick mars solo material it's going to be i would imagine more like an old ted nugent song or album in that Mick Mars is not going to be singing. So he's going to have to bring in other people to do the vocals for him, like Ted Nugent used to do here and there on and off. George Lynch, Lynch Mob, same type of thing. I've always found that that approach very, very, very tricky to pull off. Because the music listener, the discerning music listener, like you, like me, 
it all you can almost sense the detachment between the quote unquote guitar star and the lead vocalist who could be fired at the drop of a hat because there's nothing vested in that lead singer. There's nothing vested in that vocalist. They're not part of the band. Can it work? Sure. Lynch Mob has had success. Modest success. With a variety of singers, as did Ted Nugent. Song like Stranglehold comes to mind. But Ted Nugent had a lot of success with songs where he actually decided to sing. And I think that's because that connection was stronger with the audience. The audience knew it was him playing the guitar and singing. All right, that'll do it for segment one. Going to have a short breakdown segment here coming up. Only one album review and one song review. And we're going to go a little country, a little bit southern for you little bit of a a tangent taking the path less traveled here on the fortress of rock as we review darius rucker who of course lead singer for hootie and the blowfish but has found massive success as a country artist we're going to review his new album carolyn's boy and the new song from blackberry smoke a little southern rock for you little bit crazy all coming up in segment two quick promo break and i will be right back thank you so much for tuning in to the fortress of rock podcast with me the maestro kevin crane of course that was segment one the news of the world our tribute to freddie mercury and queen where we look back at the past week in rock and roll and all the news and all the controversies that you deserve to know about. Next up is the heart of the show, the meat and potatoes breakdown, where we are going to review all the new songs, all the new albums, all the new concert tours, the shows that I've seen personally, stay tuned for that. Of course, we're now available on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Hang out, kids. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Fortress of Rock. I am your host, the maestro Kevin Crane. You are who you are. It is segment two here each and every week. Breakdown. Our tribute to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers seems like it's going to be a recurring theme this week with Tom Petty. Appropriately so, let's put it that way. Episode 114 here on October the 20th. Of course, Breakdown is all about new music. Now, this is kind of a one-week lull before the storm. And I've told you guys this over the past couple of weeks as I've looked ahead, trying to plan ahead on future episodes. We'll be fine. 
from here on out. We will be fine in terms of rock and roll, album reviews, songs. We have got Dokken. We've got the Rolling Stones. We've got, as I mentioned, Rival Sons. We will have plenty to get us through the cold winter months and into 2024. But this one week here was a little tricky. I didn't have anything new that I jumped out at me that I really wanted to review in the world of rock and roll. So you guys know I love Hootie and the Blowfish. I do love Hootie and the Blowfish. So I will admit, while I don't really like country music all that much, I listen to it a little bit, especially old school country. I'll listen to Eddie Rabbit. I'll listen to Kenny Rogers. Alabama, but the new stuff doesn't do much for me. But Darius Rucker, he's the man just because of his ties to Hootie and the Blowfish. So what we're going to do this week is we're going to go down south for our album review and our song review this week. Darius Rucker's new country album, Carolyn's Boy. 14 songs. We will go through it loosely. Let's put it that way. Loosely track by track. Now, what I'm looking for here in these songs is a connection to that Hootie vibe. Hootie and the Blowfish were always able to balance being serious, being kind of a fun party band, heartfelt, mid-tempo songs. They did a great job of mixing that all together. So I kind of look for that here when I listen to Darius Rucker as a country star. So we start off with the first track, which is probably the strongest song on the album. This, This song is what makes Darius Rucker, in my opinion, a great country artist is that he knows how to use the the country music template, perfect it, make it his own. So we get the opening track on Carolyn's Boy, Beers and Sunshine, with the great lyrical twist. The only BS I need is Beers and Sunshine. You got to admit that's a great line. You have to admit that that is a great line. Beers and Sunshine is a great country party song. Cannot deny it is infectious. It is fun. Great way to start the album off. Then we move on to In This Together. A little bit more going down that road of more pure country music. But it's still enjoyable. Very simple but heartfelt line, you do you and I'll do me. But in the end, we are all in this together. So not something earth shattering or, or an idea or a sentiment we have never heard before, but it still works. So now we're two songs in still doing very well. And we're still all right with track three, never been over. Again, nice, solid, 
Again, leaning country, but a little bit of the hootie vibe going there. Unfortunately, after that, things kind of start to fall apart. When I say fall apart, I mean we're going straight into generic country music territory. Fires don't start themselves. Tries to rock a little bit, but in the end it just fails. And in the end, it's more of a country song. And not a very good one. And then we hit rock bottom with song five, Old Church Hymn. And of course, we know the stereotypes. Southern people are all wrapped up in religion. So why not do a country song where we say amen about 97 times through the course of the song? This is bad songwriting. This is bad, bad songwriting, pandering to a stereotype, a country music stereotype. Hated this song. Did not like it one bit. But then things turn around with track six. Seven days, much better, much brighter. Sunnier, kind of almost pop rock. Enjoyed this, and I could have seen this as a hootie song. Only a few of the songs on this album could I have seen translating over to Hootie, and this is one of them. I could have seen Seven Days being a huge Hootie and the Blowfish song. Now, great title for track seven. Same beer, different problem. But the lyrics come off as kind of nonsensical. And in the end, you start thinking about same beer, different problem. What does that mean? Not a bad song, but definitely not a great song. And this might be a bad joke, but Darius Rucker's falling into this trap where it seems like, why is it every male country star sounds like they need to go into AA for alcohol rehab? with all the mentions of drinking that they do each and every song. And again, talking about Tommy Lee in the last segment, I'm not judging, I'm just saying. Tommy Lee's drinking two gallons of vodka a day, but Darius Rucker is referencing drinking a hell of a lot more than I ever heard on a Motley Crue album. I'll just stop right there. Then finally, track eight, we get the, in my opinion, the the final great song on the album. The very sweet, gorgeous song, Sarah. It's almost an anti, an anti-rock anthem in that, you know, we, referencing again, types of Motley Crue, poison, um, you know, that borderline misogynistic viewpoint. And I'm not, I'm not judging that. Nothing wrong with having a good time. Nothing but a good time, as Poison once sang. But you know, it was all about babes getting laid. Sarah is, turns that on its head. Sarah is just a gorgeous mid-tempo song, 
or Darius Rucker trying to reconnect with an old female friend, emphasizing, I'm not looking for a one-night stand. I am just looking for a friend. And I can't do it justice. He, he structures the song beautifully. It's a fantastic, gorgeous song, kind of like a When Harry Met Sally type vibe. Now, after that, we've got six songs left. This is where I'm going to cheat. This is why I, I sounded very hesitant at the beginning of the segment when I said we're going to do track by track like we normally do, because I really can't differentiate these last six songs. This is where it just becomes straight, boring country music to me. Have a good time. Sure would have loved her. Southern Comfort. Southern Comfort's probably the best of these final six songs. Still not great, but maybe a little notch or two above the rest. 3 a.m. in Carolina, Lift Me Up, and Stargazing. And there's just not really a standout, decent track among them. Like I said, Southern Comfort maybe barely passes muster. So again, one week diversion, one week going down a different path here on the Fortress of Rock as we check out Darius Rucker of Hootie and the Blowfish in his ultra-successful solo career in country music. Carolyn's Boy is okay overall, but like I, I just said here, the second half of the album really, really is a major letdown, whereas the first eight songs, there's a lot of promise, a lot of, dare I say, creativity in most of the songs. So I guess it's up to you. I can't recommend the album. I, I really, this is one where I'd say I'd recommend songs piecemeal. Check out Beers and Sunshine. Check out Sarah. Seven Days. Those three are really the strong, strong standout tracks. All right, let's move on to a little bit more of Southern rock and roll, getting away from the, the country stuff a little bit more into Southern rock. But still, we know Southern rock has a little bit of that country tinge to it. Some of the same recurring themes, let's say. Now, I do like Blackberry Smoke. Are they as good as Skinnerd? Are they as good as 38 Special, Molly Hatchet? No. No, they're not. But I enjoy their music. This is the second single off their upcoming 2024 album. Second single is Little Bit Crazy. Now, of course, the first single was Dig a Hole, which was good, solid, but not great. And I'm going to say the same thing about Little Bit Crazy. Um, here's the thing, and you guys have probably had this happen to you before on Spotify, if you have that, um, if you listen to music on Spotify. 
you'll get that spillover. Like you pick a particular song by an artist or a particular album, and sometimes it will play an older track from the same artist. So when I've been listening to Dig a Hole and now Little Bit Crazy from Blackberry Smoke, they they tend to give me a follow-up that is an older track from Blackberry Smoke, and I just notice that the older stuff has a little bit harder edge to it. I'm not saying Molly Hatchet, but leaning that way. A little bit harder guitar work. So these these first two singles, while they're fine, and I'll take them, again, as opposed to 95% of the garbage that's out there, it's just, it, it lacks something that, that edge that Blackberry Smoke had. And again, I'm not saying they were hard rocking Southern boys like Molly Hatchet. But they just had sharper guitars, meaner guitars. So again, just like with Darius Rucker, I will let you be the judge. Check out Blackberry Smoke if you're in the mood for some Southern rock, for some Southern rock you haven't heard before. You can always go back and listen to Flirting with Disaster, Give Me Three Steps, or Hold On Loosely. Oh, unbelievably great songs. Or, you know, check out the new stuff with Blackberry Smoke. If you like what you hear, I would recommend digging back into their their back catalog, the older stuff, and then do a compare and contrast. Let me know what you think. You can always drop me a line on the Facebook page. And we'll talk more about that coming up in the next segment as I have to go out to the garage here at the Fortress of Rock and deal with the perpetually grumpy, cranky Doc Brown as he fires up the Rock and Roll DeLorean as we prepare to go back in time and look at birthdays and anniversaries, significant moments in rock history. We already know, we already know Tom Petty's coming up. We've talked about it a couple times already in this episode. It's unavoidable. It is one of the, the biggest, most significant birthdays in rock history, but there's other stuff, other interesting little tidbits and places we're going to visit in the rock and roll time stream. So hang out through another promo break, a real quick minute long promo. Doc Brown and I will be right back to take you back in time. I'm the maestro. Hang tight. Back in a minute. All right. Now that we've looked at the current state of music, In our breakdown segment, it is time to climb into the DeLorean and travel back in time to look back at moments in rock and roll history, birthdays, deaths, anniversaries of song and album releases. It is time for I Want to Go Back, our tribute to Eddie Money. Stay tuned. And as always, we're on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, anywhere 
where you listen to your favorite podcasts. We are now traveling in the rock and roll time stream here on the Fortress of Rock. Of course, Doc Brown at my side, you in the back seat. I'm the maestro Kevin Crane, the Fortress of Rock here, episode 114 on October the 20th, 2023. Yes, it is segment three. It is time for I Want to Go Back, our tribute to the late great Eddie Money, anniversaries, birthdays, significant moments in rock history. But first, as always here around this time, each and every week, I have got to take care of bitness. You know where to find us. You have found us. You're listening to the sound of my voice right now. So you have found a platform where the Fortress of Rock is available. But keep in mind that you always have options. Options are great. Options are awesome. You don't always have to buy a Big Mac at McDonald's. If you want to, great. But you have choices. That's why there's a menu. Same thing with Taco Bell. You don't always have to get the Crunch Wrap Supreme if you don't want to. Get a Gordita once in a while. And if you're not particularly happy for one reason or another with the platform that we're on, you can switch to another one. We are on Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Apple, Overcast, CastBox, Amazon Music, Audible, and iHeart radio then of course do not forget the facebook page very important component of what we do here because in addition to this podcast we do a couple fun things every weekend friday night of course you know this episode tapes and drops every friday night but we also put the weekend rock project out there we give you a, a key word, a theme. You give us your favorite rock songs that fit into that word, that theme. This week, because everybody is worried about AI and scared to death of AI, we are looking for your favorite rock songs with some allusion to technology, modern technology in the title, computers, robots. As always, we'll give you a little leeway. Just don't use phones. That was the one problem I had when I set this up as I was thinking, somebody's going to think a phone fits as modern technology. No, it doesn't. Robots, computers, that type of stuff. As a guide, I put out there two songs. I put out there old, old school songs from the 70s. Maybe early 80s. I'm not sure when iRobot from the Alan Parsons Project came out. I want to say that's 70s, though. And then, of course, I know Donnie Iris's Do You Compute is from the 70s. Again, maybe that was 1980, 81. Anyway, you get the drift. So go out there onto our Facebook page, have fun with that. And then, of course, this Sunday, New Music Sunday, each and every Sunday, 
we post a link to a video on YouTube featuring a brand new song because we need more new rock and roll. And like I said last segment, we've got a lot of new rock and roll coming up the rest of the year. Not sure yet what the song this week will be, of course, with my fat infatuation with the Rival Sons. I'm tempted to put one of their new songs out there, but I'm trying to spread out the love. So we'll see. I have some other ideas. I'm saying probably not Rival Sons, but I'm not going to dismiss it altogether. Then, of course, as much as I would like to take credit 100% for all these ideas, these wonderful stories, I can take credit for the opinions. I can take credit for the ranting and the raving, if I'd want to, if sometimes it didn't make me look stark raving cuckoo crazy. But the actual nuggets, the ideas, the stories themselves come from some fantastic sources that I use and I love. The three primary ones being ultimateclassicrock.com, the Van Halen News Desk, and thisdayinmusic.com. All right, done with that. All done with that. Let's start off with birthdays here on October the 20th. Love him or hate him. I personally can't stand him. I get sick of seeing his face on commercials and hearing his voice in commercials. Is it because I hate rap music? Is it just because I find him to be an overrated and obnoxious celebrity? Born on this day in 1971, Calvin Brodus otherwise known as Snoop Dogg. Do you really think him and Martha Stewart, you know, hooked up? Food for thought. We talked about Darius Rucker last segment. Huh, little bit of a connection here. As we move back to October the 20th, 1964, Drummer for Hootie and the Blowfish, Jim Sonnefeld, was born on this day. Not going to go off anymore about Hootie and the Blowfish. Already discussed it last segment. You know I love them. If you don't, that's your problem. Going back to October the 20th, 1958, another band that I I kind of like from the 80s that a lot of people probably didn't. And again, that's your problem. But they have one of the greatest songs of the 80s. Mark King, vocalist, bassist for Level 42, born on this day in 1958. Of course, the song I'm referring to. Something About You. Great, great song. Great song. But they have other great songs, too. I'm not saying they're the be-all, end-all. I don't have their entire catalog. I have their greatest hits. 
Hot Water, another great song by Level 42. Now we go to October 20th, 1951, and I'm going to tack on a little bit of a side note here. First up, this day in 1951 is the birthday for Alan Greenwood, original keyboardist for Foreigner. Now, we've talked a lot about how Lou Graham of Foreigner, the lead singer, former lead singer, of course, Kelly Hansen now is the lead singer of Foreigner as they wrap up their farewell tour. But Lou Graham has become much more um, out there, much more vocal. He's touring. He seems to be in the limelight or trying to get back in the limelight a lot more than he used to. Let's put it that way. You kind of wondered where he was for most of this century, the last 23 years. Well, now here this last year or so, he is coming out, coming back, as I mentioned, out doing concerts and talking a lot about Foreigner's legacy. Now, we've talked about the fact in the past, he says there is almost a full album of Foreigner material when he was writing with Mick Jones. He would like to see it come out. He doesn't know where the music is. He says he gave a copy of it to Mick Jones, and now it's either hidden away, disappeared, destroyed. But now here in, in a, a little bit of a news tidbit, a slice of an interview with Lou Graham, he says something that, of course, we've talked about here in the past on The Fortress. He makes it clear as day that Foreigner will never get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and he blames Jan Wenner, the scumbag, dirtbag Jan Wenner, recollecting a very, very nasty exchange between the Foreigner's de facto leader, Mick Jones, and Wenner. And Mick Jones probably didn't want to kiss his ass, was probably the problem. And again, I, I've told you, it's just disgusting to me how the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame operates and how they ignore all of the great rock bands from the mid-70s on through to the mid-80s. They just, and I'm not talking about just hair metal, I'm talking about, you know, bands like Boston, Aria Speedwagon, Foreigner. I have been on that bully pulpit, that soapbox for months and months and months. And I just find it completely and totally disgusting. Change the name of the establishment. It's not the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame anymore. You can take that pyramid, that mistake by the lake in Cleveland, and stick it. Because it is not a true representation of what rock and roll is, or what rock and roll was, or what it should be. And then finally, we, we have to talk about a man who was rock and roll. Who was the representation of rock and roll. 
I would argue, one of the greatest music icons of the last 50 years, rock and roll hero of the last 50 years. Born on this day, October the 20th, 1950, I've told you how sad I am that I never got to see this man live in concert, had a chance, it got screwed up. There's a backstory to it that makes me very upset and very angry. I won't get into it, but suffice it to say that I never got to see Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers live. And I'm not going to pretend that Tom Petty is one of my all-time favorite rock and rollers, but he's up there. He is up there. And he has my respect and my admiration for the way he handled himself for the most part. For staying active. Of course, that is my big complaint now with a lot of current rock and roll stars. How they wait six, seven years to put out new music. Tom Petty was never like that. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers were consistent in putting out new music every couple years. And good new music. Great new music. He weathered the storm. He started in the 70s, got through the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and was still beloved and relevant and popular until his untimely death. And to me, that makes him one of the all-time greats. And I don't say that lightly. I don't say that lightly. Again, it's hard for me to think of a member of the rock and roll community who meant more to music through multiple changes in the dynamics of music. Tom Petty was arguably the best at just staying the course, not altering what he did, tweaking it occasionally, yes, but not going off the rails like bands like U2 did. Tom Petty believed in his music. Tom Petty said, uh, of course, I don't know what he said. I, I'm just trying to get into the head of this great musician. But by what I could see from the outside looking in, all he cared about was, I know what I'm doing. Mike Campbell, Ben Montench, we know what we're doing. We know how to put out the best music possible that we can put out and the people will enjoy it. We are Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. This is the music we play. And if you don't like it, go somewhere else. And you know what? For the most part, people stayed. And people said, yeah, Tom, you're right. We'll enjoy your awesome brand of rock and roll. So let's raise a toast to the memory of Tom Petty, born on this day in 1950.
All right, move on to anniversaries on October the 20th. October the 20th, 1979, of course, I mentioned the Eagles farewell tour earlier in the podcast. There, I know they put out more music after they got back together. Hell freezes over, long road to Eden. But I will always consider the long run their last album. I don't know why I'm just stubborn that way, but I don't even really consider those other albums true Eagles albums. The long run. The final album, let's say, of the classic Eagles era began a nine-week run at number one on the U.S. album chart today, October the 20th in 1979. We'll bump back one year to October the 20th, 1978, The Police. Sting, Stuart Copeland, and Andy Summers make their live U.S. debut at, of course, CBGB's in New York. Then, of course, we bump back one more year to... I know the moniker, The Day the Music Died, has been taken. Of course, that was the plane crash that killed Richie Valens, the big bopper. Uh, I mean, just a tragic, tragic day in music history. But to me, I think that moniker should be shared with this day. October the 20th, 1977. Again, another awful plane crash, this time in Mississippi. Killing Ronnie Van Zant. Steve and Cassie Gaines, yes, of course, forever changing the path of Southern rock and roll, temporarily destroying the band known as Leonard Skinner. <coughs> you can argue that maybe this tragedy wasn't as significant as the other. It brought Leonard Skinner back together again, albeit in a different form, never to be as popular again, never to have the same dynamic again. Again, not trying to co-opt the day the music died. Of course, also referenced in American Pie by Don McLean. But to me, given my age, my generation, to me, this is, this is more the day the music died. Tragic plane crash claiming lives from the band Leonard Skinner, October the 20th, 1977. 
jump back one more year. October the 20th, 1976. The song remains the same. The film, of course, featuring Led Zeppelin, premieres in New York City. Jump back to October the 20th, 1973. Of course, we've got a new Rolling Stones album. Just released today, Hackney Diamonds. On this day, in 1973, Angie. Not one of my favorite Rolling Stones songs. Not even close. But Angie, on this day, by the Stones, was the number one single in the U.S., Then finally, to wrap up, I want to go back as Doc Brown pulls the DeLorean, the rock and roll DeLorean, back in the garage, and we pull up the drawbridge over the moat, getting ready to turn off the lights and lock up for the night. We're getting close to Halloween, so why not discuss one of the most famous Halloween-type songs in history. October the 20th, 1962, on this day, the Monster Mash was the number one U.S. single, of course, performed by Bobby Boris Pickett and the Crypt Kickers. They did the mash, the monster mash. We're going to do wrap it up. After one last promo break, we have got a lot of new music to discuss. I told you. This was kind of the last episode this last weekend where we had a little hiccup. Now we're going full throttle through the rest of 2023 with great new rock and roll. So stick around for another five or 10 minutes. We'll discuss. We'll get you set for the next month or two of upcoming episodes of The Fortress. I'm the maestro and I will be right back. Well, we hope you enjoyed our trip back in time, looking back at the anniversaries the classic moments in rock and roll history. But of course, the DeLorean works both ways. So now we have to move forward. The last segment here, as always, on the Fortress of Rock with me, the maestro Kevin Crane. Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It's all about the future. What's coming out here in the next month or two? What songs, what albums, what concert tours? That's why we call it Wrap It Up. Thanks to the fabulous Thunderbirds. Thanks to you for hanging out. Here comes our final segment. All right, first and foremost, as we call it quits here for another week, that sounds so negative. Call it quits. We're not calling it quits. We're taking a break to enjoy the weekend. 
slog through the next work week. And of course, we'll be back here on October the 27th here at the Fortress of Rock. Apologize for my coughing fit in the last segment, brief coughing fit. But if I can't afford more than $120 for a concert ticket, I sure as heck can't afford a cough button like the fancy podcasters and radio shows out there can. So you'll have to uh, uh, you'll have to accept my apologies. Let's put it that way. Sometimes I don't want to stop my momentum. I don't want to splice together two halves of a segment. A cough for five seconds and move on. That could be a very good philosophical way to look at life. Cough for five seconds and move on. Whatever. (laughs) All right. Yeah, I'm a little tired. I'm a little loopy. It's been a long week. So let's discuss and wrap it up our tribute to the fabulous Thunderbirds. What is coming up in the next few months here on the Fortress of Rock. Now, you know for sure I've been talking about it for weeks. Next week's episode, 115. That will be coming to you on October the 27th. The second album of 2023 from The Rival Sons, Lightbringer, of course, Dark Fighter, was their first album of the year. Now, I have mixed emotions about this, not the music, but I'm just not sure why they didn't combine these two projects into one album because Lightbringer, as it came out today, of course I downloaded it. It's only six songs. It's barely over 30 minutes, about 33 minutes. I mean, if you if you technically, I'm sure if you combined it with Dark Fighter, it might not be considered one CD. It might just be over that that limit where they would have had to release it as a double album. So they decide to set it up as two separate albums instead. But I will hold off on my judgment of Lightbringer until next Friday. I will have my review of all six songs. You know, I've already talked about Mercy, Sweet Life, two phenomenal songs put out ahead of time, of course, the two first singles from Lightbringer. Plenty to discuss here, even though it's only six songs next week in breakdown now i'm going to fudge things a little bit for the next two weeks after that looking at episodes 116 on november the 3rd and episode 117 on the 10th i have the two albums that we're going to review i am just not a hundred percent sure in what order I'm going to do them in, because it's going to, it's going to become a matter of personal preference. Because I'm leaning towards 
in two weeks reviewing the new Rolling Stones album. Of course, Hackney Diamonds is out now today. But by the time we roll through Rival Sons next week, and we're two weeks down the road, Dokken will also be out with their new album, Heaven Comes Down. And right now, I got to be honest with you, I am much more excited about Dokken than I am about the Rolling Stones. You know, I hate it, hate it, hate it. Yes, I can hear my parents' voices echoing in my head. Don't use that word. Like many of you, I'm sure your parents drilled it into your head. Don't use that word hate. But I hated Sweet Sounds of Heaven. Hated it. So, depending on the type of week I have at work, what life throws at me, I might take the easy way out and go with the album that I'm much more excited about, which would be Dokken. Tentatively, in two weeks, I have the Stones scheduled three weeks Dokken. Of course, Night Ranger with the Youth Symphony Orchestra. I'm going to break protocol and probably review that before the end of the year. The three or four songs I've heard from it so far, again, that's out today as well, are fantastic. It seems like they, of course, Night Ranger, smart. Jack Blades, Brad Gillis, Kelly Kagi, smart, smart, smart men, beyond belief. They know not to mess with a good thing, a formula that works, but at the same time, if you're going to tweak it with a, an orchestra behind you, throw in little tiny nuances, but keep the structure and the energy of the songs the same. We we ripped Def Leppard apart earlier this year for drastic symphonies because they went so far overboard with the reworking, the revamping of classic hits. Most notably, that abysmal version of Pour Some Sugar On Me. You could literally, if you want to know what my fifth ring of hell would be, they would put Open Arms by Journey, Can't Fight This Feeling by Ario Speedwagon, Sweet Sounds of Heaven by Rolling Stones, and Def Leppard's drastic symphonies version of pour some sugar on me on an endless loop that would be torture for me that would be unbelievable ridiculous torture i would rather have bamboo shoots shoved up my fingernails shoved under my fingernails than rather rather than listen to that four song loop for eternity but again night ranger seems like they get it Kind of like Metallica with SM. So we'll have that for you. We got Dirty Honey coming up later this year. Mark Tremonti of Alter Bridge, his Christmas album, The Man Can Sing. Trust me. A lot of other stuff. Jimmy Buffett. We will be covered through the end of the year. Now, in terms of songs, 
Next week, Judas Priest, Panic Attack, will be featured in Breakdown, as well as the aforementioned Jimmy Buffett. Another song off his upcoming final album, Equal Strain on All Parts. This is the final song. I know that sounds just so sad, but the final song from Jimmy Buffett. This will be the final song on the track listing. The sequence for Equal Strain on All Parts, Mozambique. That will be in next week's breakdown segment as well. David Lee Roth, still putting up dribs and drabs of new music. Won't commit to a new album. Couple new songs. Next week, I believe right now it's only available on YouTube. The song Mandabala. We'll try to dig that up for you, listen to that on YouTube, and have a review of that for you next week. And then probably a couple weeks from now, another new song from David Lee Roth. I know the Fortress of Rock is clean. We don't like to curse and swear. But I have to here, so cover up the kids' ears if you have to. But the other new David Lee Roth song coming a few weeks down the road is The Shit That Killed Elvis. <laughs> Great title, by the way. Great title. We mentioned Tom Petty and these two quote-unquote new songs, unreleased originals from Tom Petty, What's the Matter with Louise and Mystery of Love. You know we're going to find those. We're going to dig them up if we can and review those for you in the coming weeks. Green Day. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm trying to separate the art from the artist. You got to do it sometimes. I always try to do it with Kevin Spacey, who I consider one of the greatest actors that I've ever seen. But of course, we know in real life he's a scumbag. So I kind of look at Green Day the same way. Billy Joe Armstrong is a jerkwad, but still love Green Day's music. So, out October the 24th, which will give us plenty of time to review it here in the next few weeks. Brand new song from Green Day, The American Dream is Killing Me. And then finally, a personal favorite band for me. You guys know this if you've been listening to the podcast over the last couple of years. Saw them open for Roger Klein and the Peacemakers years ago. Fell in love with them, kind of like I did with Rival Sons 18 months ago as they opened for Greta Van Fleet. And this is what's great about quality, top-level opening acts. Sometimes they will save a concert for you. Especially in the case of Rival Sons and Greta Van Fleet now. Black Moods, Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, stellar show from beginning to end, one of the best I've ever seen. 
but an opening act can really make a mark when it comes to your music taste, your preferences. You can fall in love with an opening act. They might end up exploding and becoming the next big thing, or they're just that dirty little secret that you and a few friends can share together and say, hey, nobody else gets it, but we get them. We get this band. We get their music. That would be the Black Moods. No, not a new album coming out, but a very, very cool cover song. Yeah, I know, again, breaking protocol like we're going to do with Night Ranger. Don't usually review cover songs, greatest hits albums, live albums. But how can I not review the Black Moods with Robbie Krieger of the Doors and Diamante as they do a great cover. I've heard it already. A great cover of the Doors classic Roadhouse Blues. So that's what I got for you. Coming up in the future, last segment, of course, we discussed the past. In the first couple segments, we discussed the present the current state of rock and roll. Always, always happy to have you aboard each and every Friday night. Can't tell you how how much I appreciate it and I thank you. Even though I know you're only there through computers and wires and phones and waves flying through the air. I still appreciate it, even though you're not here with me physically. Rock and roll is a unifying force. It will always be a unifying force, and there will always be people like you and me who love it, appreciate it, and will not let it die. So until we meet again in seven days, I'm the maestro Kevin Crane. Have a safe safe, fun weekend. Love the one you're with. We will chat again in a week. Peace out.